wonderful people. Connect, connect, connect. I told Bill last service that uh, I haven't done it yet. Connect is all about getting into a new group. Next, next week, 1230 in the gym. And I told Bill sitting up here, listen, right, right from the stage, I told him last service, my wife and I want to kind of do that. We want to start a new group. We're always looking for new leaders. We want to just kind of get into our neighborhoods and form groups and invite our neighbors and be able to lead people to Christ and into a deeper relationship with Jesus. Connect, connect, connect. What, next uh, Sunday, 1230 in the gym. Uh, be there, please. Listen, I, I was at a Starbucks just this past Friday. Please know that if you walk up to me and you make a comment to me at Starbucks, I will probably preach about that the very next time I'm on the stage. I have no discretion whatsoever. Um, I was at a Starbucks and a guy walked up to me and he said, I love our church. And one of the things I love most about our church is that we, we don't just talk about loving people. We don't just talk about spreading the gospel. We do it. Uh, we have crews that are down in Florida right now. Paul Lingy is down there. We have groups. Uh, we have another group going next week. Uh, through all of these situations that have kind of devastated our country, we have literally filled semis. And that is the grace of God. And what I love about this church is it isn't just filled with people who go, Amen. Amen. But here's what I love about this church. It isn't just filled with people who say, what's the church doing? What's the church doing? What's the church? Because that's not the question. The question is, what am I doing? What am I doing? And this is a church filled with people who have risen to the occasion and begun to, done th to do things. That's fantastic. So I want to say thank you here. I want to welcome you all. I want to welcome our Westside campus, which uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but we seat 150 people over there. We're having two services. Our first Sunday, we had well over 500 people. Law of averages, amen. Law of averages is you'll get 50% back. You should, we should have had about 250. We had well over 400 uh, last Sunday. So God is, a lot of new people. God is just moving, and, and, and we're just so thankful to God. And not only that, but we are also excited that we are, we are involved in a church partnership, a launch. It's happening right now in Centerset. A church in California is launching this weekend. The pastor's name is Ali Roy. And he has asked that we pray for him, that we pray for, for many, many people to come to Christ over the next year, to be baptized, and also for the health of his, his family and their members. So let's pray for all that's going on. Let's pray for our people, and let's pray for this morning's service. Father, what a great God. What a great God. And how awesome it is, God, to jump in the river that is flowing from the throne. To jump in the river that kind of flows down to Florida and, and flows to various parts of the country, that flows to California, to, that flows across the world. To just jump in that godly river and to be a part of that, God. To just to serve and to love you and to, to jump into small groups that, that are flowing throughout our neighborhoods to reach people for Christ, God. What a joy and a privilege. Thank you for this church, God. Thank you for this people. They are a gift from you, God. And this morning, and it's not what I have to say, it's what you have to say. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that moves. And I pray, God, that you would open our hearts and our minds, that you would speak not what I have to say, what you have to say. I pray, God, that you would flood this church this morning with peace, with joy, with the, with the fruit of the Spirit, God. Beyond measure, beyond anything we can understand, peace and joy, Lord. For I said in Christ's precious name, come Lord, amen. I have an impossible task this morning. I knew it was impossible when I read it, but my task is to help you and I grasp the depth of God's love. 
And I, and I don't even know how I can begin to do that. I don't know how I can begin to, to kind of scratch the surface of that or, or get into the depths of that. We're in a series called Adopt It. All of us were created to belong and live in the fullness of our purpose. But in order to do that, in order to, to be who we're supposed to be, we have to know who we are. If, if we're plagued with thoughts, if you're sitting out here this morning and you're thinking, man, God can't use me. You don't know how I am. You don't know my past. You don't know my present. And Rick, you don't even know my future. You don't even know what's going on today. There's no way that God can use me. Then you and I have no understanding of the depths of God's love. And, and we're not usable. The devil has won. I said when I went to Disneyland for the first time and I had to go through the metal detectors, I said, the terrorists have won. I've been going to Disney all my life and never had to go through metal detectors. Guys, if you do not, if you're sitting out there and you're feeling like, look, I am so far away from God, there's no way that God can use me, then you do not understand the depth of God's love. And, and I want, I'm, I'm begging you to pay especially close attention this morning. In this series, we've been traveling through the book of Ephesians and I have to tell you that Ephesians is just one of those books that, that I started it a couple weeks ago for my quiet time, and I'm not done with it. I'm, I'm in chapter 6. I've probably been doing it for about two weeks now, but every page is so rich. I'll get three or four or five or ten verses into it, and I've got to reread it, and then I'll, I'll, I'll do what I always do with my quiet time and my devotional. I'll go back and I'll read it in another translation, and then I'm like, well, I want to get the sense of it, so I might read it in a message Bible to get a kind of an interpretation the book of Ephesians draws us into the intense power of God through creation all the way to his unfathomable love for us through the power of salvation. For example, Ephesians chapter 1 says this in verse 4. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. How can we even begin to wrap our minds around such amazing truth? Even before he made the world, he loved us and chose us? Really? God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family? That's what he wanted to do? That's the one that makes me stop and contemplate how very much God loves me and you. The Bible says it gave him great pleasure. Pleasure, that's insane. That's beyond my ability to comprehend. You and I have been grafted into God's family by his choice. By his choice, and he paid a huge price. You were expensive, and that makes you valuable. No matter what you think of yourself sitting out here this morning, you are incredibly valuable to God. You are a diamond, perhaps a diamond in the rough, but nonetheless a diamond. Perhaps even a diamond that, 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 that's gloomy and needs to have it, its sides kind of shaved and chipped off. But nonetheless, a diamond. We read those amazing words. Verse 8, God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. My part of my own salvation is simply to believe and receive God's forgiveness and grace. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. My, my, my big buy-in was simply believing and realizing I was a sinner, but there was a God that loved me enough to die for me and just asking him to, to take my sin. God, best I know how, I believe you love me and I'm calling upon you to be my savior. That's, 
He, he paid it all. I, I can't brag about that. I, I can't take credit. I know that's all real, but how do we take it all in? It's hard for me to realize I am loved and even harder for me to realize just how much I'm loved. I, I've started saying this. In fact, God doesn't just love you. He likes you. That, that's crazy, isn't it? Because you've, we've all heard people say, well, I got to love him, but I don't got to like him. Point that out to me in the Bible. That is garbage. I got to like you too. I got to love you. Because when I love you, I care about you. I, I want your life to be filled. I want you to have joy. I want you to have peace. I want you to walk in God. When I, like, when I don't like you, I don't care. God not only loves you, he likes you. He, he wants to be around you. And I, I want to prove that through the word of God today. I, I want God and his word to prove to you just how valuable you are. Today we're going to dig into Ephesians 3, chapter 14 through, uh, verses 14 through 19, just five or six verses. What I'd like for us to do is simply approach this text as if we were doing our daily devotional, our quiet time with God, that, that time alone. Let's just simply read it and then begin to meditate on it and, and dig deep. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul starts out, verse 14, by saying these words, when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. Now, by the this, he's talking about, if you read back, he's talking about this incredible plan that God is, the Father has launched through Jesus, his son, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the plan of salvation. The thought that anyone who can call upon the name of the Lord can be saved. The fact that God loves you and chosen, he's like, it's such crazy love. When I think of all this, Verse 16, I pray that from his glorious unlimited re resources, I love that he has unlimited resources. My, I have a daughter and a son, and they fully believe that I have unlimited resources. <laughs> I mean, anybody got children? You know exactly what I mean. Why won't you buy that for me, Daddy? Because it costs money. But you know what my kids know? If it's all possible, I'm going to do it. And sometimes when it's impossible, I'm going to do it. Why? Because I love them. And Paul says, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources. My father owns a cattle on a thousand hill. He owns the hills. He owns it all. His resources are unlimited. He will empower you with inner strength to the spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand. Maybe you have the power to understand, as all God's people should how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is also too great to fully understand, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. There's a lot of wealth in that. You understand why I read it and reread it. Why I read it in the message. I read it in the New Living Translation. I read it in the NIV. I, I go to a commentary. It's so rich. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, Paul says, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven on earth. The apostle Paul is so overwhelmed by how much God cares for him and for us. He's overwhelmed by God, the God, who not only wants to be a part of his, us to be a part of his family, but it gives him great pleasure to do that. And Paul's reaction is to fall to his knees and pray. 
In order for something to cause you to fall to your knees and pray, it has to be intense. Those just aren't mere words. May God deliver us from just glancing over the word, reading it like it's a textbook. The Bible says Paul was driven to his knees by the thought of God's love. Being driven to your knees is no small thing. Being in the midst of prayer and literally finding yourself falling on your knees without even thinking about it is no small thing. Whether it be in dire need or in worship or in praise or in unbelief, it is deliverance. Let me give you an example. When Linda was in labor with Josh, we were at the hospital and I was sitting in her room trying to sleep, but she wouldn't let me. My wife's uh, labors were generally like 36 hours. Don't feel sorry for me. I was able to catch some sleep in between there. But the nurse told me to watch the monitors. Now, I knew that she was watching the monitors, but she was trying to give me something to do. When all of a sudden, bells and buzzers started going off, and the room was filled with nurses and doctors, and I, I, I sat up. I thought, well, what's going on here? Well, apparently Linda's heart rate and Josh's heart rate had dropped to a dangerous level. And the doctors and nurses did all they could to change that, but nothing was working. Then I I heard one of the doctors say, we need to get her, meaning Linda, my wife, into emergency surgery or we may lose her or the baby. Listen, as they were wheeling Linda out, I fell to my knees in front of everyone and just just started praying. I mean, I, I sunk to my knees in that hospital room. There was no thought of embarrassment or looking like a fanatic. I was in dire need, and I knew I needed my father to intervene. I I loved my wife with all my heart and soul, and I loved my yet unborn son, and I couldn't fathom that. So so I, I was literally driven to my knees. Being driven to your knees is no small thing. Don't just glance over that. Paul is in the presence of his creator. He's thinking about God, and he says, when I think of all this, I, I fall to my knees. That's how we should love and worship God. That's how we should see God. There have been times during my quiet time with God that I have been overcome by how awesome he is or how he's delivered me in some supernatural way or delivered me in some way that I in no way deserved. You know that the, the, the biblical word, the, the, the word, the Greek word for shade, is, is, it, it's, it's an action that means it happened once and then it continuously happens. We are always being saved. Not, not just from hell, not just from sin and death, but God is always in our life. How many times he has rescued me. I've fallen to my knees because nothing else seemed appropriate. I've been overcome by how much I needed God or wanted in my life or how much I knew I needed him. To, to truly know God is to be driven to our knees in times of need, deliverance, or simply admiration and adoration. Well, in this verse, Paul calls God this. He said, the creator of everything in heaven on earth. Now here, Paul is referring to the transcendence of God. And indeed, God is transcendent. What what does that mean? Transcendent means surpassing the ordinary, exceptional, way beyond ordinary. Existing apart from and not subject to the limitations of the material universe. I love that. God is not limited. God, God, God can disobey the law of gravity. Jesus could walk on water. Christ could speak to waves and they would stop. The creator God told the waves on the shores 
where to go. The Bible tells us that he calls the stars out by name. He, he exists apart from the limitations of the material universe. Not realizable in experience. That, that is the transcendent God. He's larger than life. He's smarter than we are. He's more powerful than we are. Isaiah chapter 55, Isaiah, one of the prophets of Israel said this. My thought, God says this, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I'm not God. I can't begin to attain to his thoughts or his ways. I can simply be obedient To all that he asks of me, I hear him through his word and through prayer. And he is to be worshipped. In the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, uh, the prophet Isaiah is given the honor of actually standing in the throne room of God through a vision. Uzziah, one of the the Jewish kings, dies. and, 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 And Isaiah, his prophet, is caught up into heaven. God literally brings him into the throne room and he gets a vision of what it's like. Isaiah chapter 6, it was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim. Each had six wings. With two wings they covered their face. With two they covered their feet. And with two they flew. And they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's army. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundation, and the entire building was filled with smoke. That sounds like a scene only Spielberg could illustrate, doesn't it? I want somebody to do this scene. There's fire and smoke. Angels are flying back and forth. We have no idea how many, but they've got six wings. They're covering their face, their feet, and they're screaming holy so loud that the entire temple, the entire church building is being shaken. Imagine if God were sitting on the throne and angels were swooping overhead and smoke was filling this place. We'd be running for the doors. Look at Isaiah's reaction. I absolutely love the honesty of the Bible. Then I said, it's all over. Humanity is standing in the presence of a holy God. I'm done. I'm over. God's tell me about your life. Nope, I'm out. It's all over. I am doomed. For I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I love them, live among a people with filthy lips. Can anybody identify? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. I love that. He is taken to the very throne of God. He's overwhelmed, and his reaction is so real and so amusing. It's all over. I'm doomed. I'm sinful. And by the way, so are all my friends and family. He knew who he was, a guy with faults and sins, a guy who didn't always say things that brought glory to God or anyone else for that matter. And Isaiah knew who God was, high and lifted up, holy, without sin or fault, omnipotent, meaning unlimited power, the leader of heaven's armies. I love that description. He's omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere at once. David said in Psalms 139, verse 7, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. He's omniscient, meaning he knows everything at once from beginning to end. Isaiah understood that God. 
or that side of God. And I, and I want to say this this morning. Most of us do too. We, we get that God. We get that transcendent God. We get that bigger than life God. We get that God. We, we get this larger than life God. We understand the God that's out there where we can never seem to go. But few of us ever fully understand the imminent or intimate God. Many of us can never get past the transcendent God that drives us to our knees so that we can begin to understand the imminent God. Transcendent means to exist apart from anything else, to be unattainable. And God is that. But that is not all that he is. In our text today, Paul's moving us past the transcendent God to the imminent God. Well, what does imminent mean? He exists and operates within our realm. He's intimate and closely acquainted with us. He's familiar. He's connected. He's private and personal. We are afraid of a small God. I was in California a couple of weeks ago speaking to some youth and I talked about uh, God wanting to be small and I had this pastor walk up to me and say, and say, oh, don't say God small. No, no, don't say God gets small. Say, say God's self-limiting. And I said, well, if I say the term self-limiting, A, nobody's going to understand what I'm talking about. And B, that's not good enough. Yes, he limits himself. What's he do? He becomes small. He becomes private. He becomes familiar he becomes connected we realize that God is huge and powerful but do we also realize that he's small and intimate let me say that again because I don't want you to miss it we realize that God is huge and powerful but do we realize that he's also small and intimate the transcendent God makes sense I get it he's big he's huge I can't get there he's a creator I'm not who can fathom the depths of an imminent God an up-close-and-present God. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul moves from the God that drops him to his knees to the up-close-and-personal God that wants to be up-close-and-personal with you. He says in verse 16, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through the Spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. When you begin to understand how valuable you are, how precious you are, how much God wants to be connected with you, when you really get that to that point, you become usable. You become usable because, because if the devil, if you bought into the devil's lie, I'm nobody, I'm horrible, I'm terrible, God can't use me, you don't know me, the, the devil is one. The world has won. You, you, you have sidelined yourselves and absolutely become useless. But when you buy into, look, I struggle, I'm terrible, I fail, I get it, woe is me. I am a man that's undone. But God still loves me. I'm still his create. I'm not just his creation. I'm also his son. He loves me. He wants to use me. He has unlimited resources and unlimited patience. When I begin to trust in that, my roots go down and I become strong. It's no longer the sight of God that's unattainable. It's the sight of God that wants to make his home in your heart. 
it's, 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 it's the sight of God that wants to empower you and me with inner strength to help us have abundant life no matter what the circumstances are. It's the God that not only loves you, he likes you. Think, just contemplate on that for just a couple of seconds. God likes you. He knows your faults. He knew Isaiah's faults. Isaiah, my lips are terrible. The things I say, I'm undone. And God's saying, but, but I called you into my presence because I like you, because I love you. The intimate God is the God who wanted to create us. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the seas, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. They will reign. You ever watch those Discovery Channel shows where, where, where a, a group comes up on, a, I don't know what they're called, a herd of lions, a pride of lions, a bunch of lions are all sitting around. And a guy gets out of a Jeep and he claps his hands and lions, lions run. Now, not all the time. Don't go on a safari and get killed and then blame it on me. But very often, huge animals, a man gets, a man, a nobody, lions run. Why is that? Because God has created you to rule and reign. And the animals know that. So God created human beings in his own image, verse 27. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. In his transcendence, he had the power to create you. In his imminence, he used that power to create us. God has loved us since the very beginning. Unfathomable, I get it. Paul said that. Psalms chapter 8, verse 3. When I look at the night sky, the psalmist writes, and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place. I look at your glory. Verse 4. What are mere mortals that you should think about? Human beings that you should care for them, yet you made them with glory and honor. And crowned them with glory. You made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge over everything you made, putting all things under their authority. The psalmist is blown away when he thinks about this incredible, creative, powerful God who stops and thinks about you and me. But he does. The psalmist said, what are mere mortals that you should think about them or care about them? But God has loved you from the beginning. He created you in his image. He created you to rule and reign. According to his word, you are his supreme creation. So all of that garbage thinking about how horrible you are, how terrible you are, that needs to fall away so that you can become who you really are. God's desire is to be up close and personal with you and me. We realize that God is huge and powerful, but do we realize he's also small and intimate? My, my wife and I created people. Or at least we procreated people. First, we created a woman. Uh, her name is Katie. And we are madly in love with her. And not because she's always been easy. I don't know if any of you have boys and girls, but boys are easier. If you're just starting out, let me throw that out there for you. My daughter is my best friend. And I never want to be in a room that she's not in. I know I have to be sometimes, 
but we are close friends. I love her with all of my heart and soul. And you want to know why? Because I'm made in God's image, and that's how he feels about me. In fact, we love Katie so much that we procreated a man, and we love him to death. You know, the Bible says that we are made in God's image, so I made one in my image. And I realized last service that his shirt says Sopranos on it, which I thought was kind of funny. Great show. Uh, we are made in the image of God. And, and, and Josh, in a sense, is made in the image of me. People are always coming. We'll walk in his doors and people will go, oh my gosh, you're related. I love him to death. He is my best buddy. Now let's say that Josh does something wrong. And he, every morning, he comes, Dad, I'm so sorry I messed up. God, I'm so sorry I messed up. Dad, Dad, I'm sorry, Dad. Dad, I'm so sorry I messed up, Dad. And I say, buddy, that's all right. I've forgiven you. Let's press on. Let's move on. But the next day I see him, he goes, Dad, I'm so sorry I messed up, Dad. And he can't move on. How destructive would that be to our relationship? And yet, that's how we treat God. Oh, God, I know you've forgiven me, but I'm really sorry. And, 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 and I'm, my, I would say, buddy, I forgave you. Let's move on. But that's not how we treat God. God, God, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And God's like, I've separated that sin, I've died for it. What if my daughter, what if my daughter called me once a day for about two or three minutes? Hi, Dad, just want you to know you're amazing. I love you. I just want to praise you and thank you for being such a great dad. By the way, send me 20 bucks. Um, okay, um, hope you're doing well, Dad. I will talk to you tomorrow. But that's how we pray. God, love you so much. Um, thanks for all you're doing in my life. Um, God, would you help Aunt Mabel? And Johnny's got a test tomorrow. Amen. If, if my kids did that to me, I, I would be devastated because there would not be a close relationship. How hard is it for you and I to grasp that we are created in God's image and that's why we love them? That's why I, I love them. I am madly in love with them, and they are madly in love with me. And that's the relationship that I'm supposed to have with God. He created you to rule and reign. Throughout the years, I would say to my son, hey, buddy, would you grab Dad a Diet Pepsi while you're up? Hey, buddy, get the remote. And my son would say, Dad, why do I have to do it? And I say to him constantly all the time, because that's why we had you. One day, mom and dad couldn't find the remote, and we thought, we got to get a son. <laughs> Guys, you were created to rule and reign. God created you because it brought him great pleasure. He loves you. Make it personal. Make it intimate. Understand that he likes you. Look at Paul's next words in Ephesians. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should... How wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. We're so afraid to say that God likes us. Oh, how can God like that? that, that that's too, you know, personal. Make it personal. You make it personal and it'll become real. How wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it's too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And the, key, the key thought is there, it's too hard, too great to fully understand. Realizing the depths of God's love is where true joy comes in. 
It's where you stop judging and hating people because they're different because you know that God loves them and they're just not done yet. It's where you stop hating you and all this, oh, but I'm so horrible, so what? You get closer to God and you let him love you and he will begin to lovingly change you. It's where depression falls off, where you stop thinking of yourself as piles of garbage that God has to save. And start seeing yourself as children that he loves and wants to redeem. Paul said, you should understand how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. But, but he said, I get that you never could. You know, over the years, I've heard skeptics say, if God is real, why would he sacrifice his own son? That doesn't make any sense. Why would a God die for me? Because he likes you. Because he loves you. I would die for my daughter or my son. I would take whatever punishment. If, if, if they were going to be tortured, I would step in and say, do it to me. I, you, you know how that is if you have children. I, I want them to have the best in life. I love them. I would sacrifice anything for them. Why do I feel that way? Because I'm made in God's image, and that's how he feels for you. Why would God let Jesus die on the cross to pay for my sin? Because he's madly and intensely in love with me. The creator, the transcendent God made himself very small so that he could be with you. And not just for 33 years while Jesus walked the earth, but forever. John, one of Christ's very own disciples, put it this way. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you've never made that real, then I encourage you this morning to simply call upon him, Lord, best I know how I believe you love me and died for me. Because that's what he did. He, all the stupid, crazy, dumb things you've ever done, Jesus, Jesus came to wash that all away so that you could spend forever with his father. He didn't want sin separating you from God. Somebody had to pay for sin, either you or him. And he said, I'll, I'll die. I'll lead a sinless life. I'll be perfect. And I'll take all their sins on me and wash it away with my blood. That somehow makes sense to you and you've never done it. I pray this morning you would just say, Lord, the best I know, I believe you love me and died for me. And I'm calling upon you to be my Savior. Man, if you're here this morning and you are just tired of being sick and tired, tired of thinking yourself as garbage, tired of not knowing the intense love of God, then I encourage you right where you are this morning to just say, God, I, I'm undone. I, I, am a, I am a man of filthy lips, a woman of unclean lips, but God, I love you and I believe that you love me and I just want to worship and praise you. I want to enter into a closer relationship with you. Call on him right now. No matter what my son or daughter were doing, I never want them to never call me. I never want them to never love me. No matter how mad I am at them, I don't want to be in a room that they're not in. Father, we love and worship and praise you. You are a transcendent, powerful, magnificent God. But you come all the way close to be a loving, caring, genuine father. To be a savior and a friend. Lord, let that truth ring out this morning as never before as we ask it in Christ's precious name. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening.